0: Welcome to He's a Giant, a pod about all things college football and all things Giants football. We're doing our recap of the Giants' brutal week eight loss to the Jets. The final score, the Jets 13, the Giants 10 in overtime. A game that looked like the Giants had won right down to the last second of the game. The Jets find a way to drive down the field, get a a field goal off with one second left. Tie the game, go into overtime. The Giants win the coin toss, take the ball, run a series of interesting plays that go nowhere. Yeah. Uh, and then punt the ball. The Jets manage to drive back down the field, hit the game winning field goal. And that's all she wrote. The Giants fall to two and six. Um, and uh, the Jets improve their record to four and three. Uh, in this game, we saw Tyrod Taylor get hurt early in the game, took a brutal hit, uh, came up in agony uh, and he went immediately to the hospital. Uh, Word has it, he injured his ribs and he's staying overnight at the hospital. We don't know much more than that at this point. Tommy DeVito came in the game and did not throw a pass (laughs) for the entire second half. Um, And then I think he threw four passes or three passes in overtime, but there were, one was a throw in the flat to Saquon. And I think... A couple were screens to Saquon behind the line of scrimmage. And uh, And he
1: threw one pass in the second half, and that was it.
0: So the Giants are 2-6, and lose 13-10 to the Jets. Monty, take it from there, man. What are your thoughts after this game?
1: It was was a demoralizing loss in so many ways, man. I, I've just felt for the players during that game. I really felt for the defense. The defense did everything they could. Again, we've just talking about this every week, it seems like, but they did everything they could to win this game. And they put it in their hands to win the game. Kavon Thibodeau got the game out. He got two sacks on that final on that final drive and a sack on fourth down. Like that should have been the final drive, and it should have been over game over let's win it um and we the offense took the ball we continue to run it we had success running the ball and they decided to kick a field goal with a uh, hurt graham gano and he missed it instead of going for it on fourth and one i i don't know man i didn't feel great about that decision <coughs> i
0: will get into that let you me- know
1: There's a lot of mixed opinions on this, but in my opinion, I think anybody with eyes can tell Graham Gano isn't healthy. I mean, first of all, it's everything we've been hearing. He's been limited in practice for two weeks. He publicly said he needs knee surgery, and this is not a guy who just misses field goals. He missed one last week. He missed another one this week. I don't know how you had the confidence to send him back out there with, you know, in a important game and you know give up eight more yards and not take a shot at you know a fourth and one it doesn't make any sense to me because like even if you like comparing the two situations versus what's more likely a field goal or fourth and one at least you don't get pushed back eight more yards for the and for the field position uh i just it, he's not they need ir you know man he is not right is so clear he that he missed those because he's not healthy. Because that is not Graham Gano. It, it's not a coincidence that he's hurt and he's missing. Field goals.
0: Um, but what do you got? Uh, it was an extra point. I mean, that kick yeah. at the end on the fourth and one was what 35 yards. Mm-hmm. It's basically an extra point and uh, line up in the middle of the field. Um, I don't, I know it was rainy, I don't think it was much more than that. Look. I, I get the criticism of uh of David on that. I, I can totally see, like, if you know that Gano is hurt, you've seen him miss kicks today, at least the one kick, and he's not feeling right, maybe, that your best bet with, was it a minute 26 left in the game or something like that? Yeah, something um, like that. Uh, you know, is maybe just if you get one more yard, the game's over. So yep. you know, just the way Saquon Barkley was running the ball in the second half, You have to believe you you get the push to get the one yard. At the same time, you kick a field goal. I mean, at that point, the lead seems almost insurmountable for the Jets. So, I don't know. I feel like if they went for it on fourth and one and the Jets stopped them and we got the same result, the discussion would be much worse. Right? I mean, I think he took the points. And his kicker missed the kick. Um, but I understand your point that, you know, Gno's hurt. But here's the thing. Like, if you're so hurt, why are you playing? That If you can't function, yeah. you, you know, I, I don't, is that on Dable or is that on Joe Shane? You know, like, well, wh- who is that on? So I, I don't know. Like, like if he's not good enough to play, they should have been bringing in other kickers this week to to play today. So, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know who to blame. At the end of the day, like, I Think, uh, I don't think he made a, de- a bad decision, I just think it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what else to say, uh,
1: yeah. And I don't, I don't necessarily know if you know, put that Dable or Shane or whoever, <laughs> but like, I don't know, there's like some sort of notion that it's like Graham Gano's job to like say that he can't make the kick, like, that's just not how it works. He told you that he needs knee surgery at that point like he's struggling It's your job to pull the plug on the player. It's not the player's job to pull themselves out of the game. That's just not how it works. You got to save these players from themselves. And I, I just, I personally had no trust at all that even in a chip shot that was going in, I, I lost trust at this point. So when he, when I didn't go in, I was irate. Um, but I, I get where you're coming from as well. And then, I mean, the other part of it um, with a lot of people are talking about was um, the offensive play calling with um, able coaching to coaching not to lose. Uh, I think you and I, at least when we were up, have a similar viewpoint on this, that um, that when you're up in a game where nobody's offense can do anything. And you're in the fourth quarter, continuing to – and you have your third string quarterback in there, continuing to just hand the ball off to your superstar running back, drain at worst, run it three times, drain clock, and punt it and let your defense do, do the work. At best, you continue to get first downs, and you run out the game and move the ball and drain as much time as you can. I know some people had issues with us not passing at all there. Um, I personally thought, given the circumstances, I thought that was the right call when we were up. Well, where were you on that?
0: Yeah. People are like, if you are not passing you're not trying, and I'm thinking to myself, it's Tommy DeVito. And I know that, you know, the Giants fan base has a love affair with Tommy DeVito. I understand he's a local kid, went to Don Bosco prep, good local story, had a good, you know, good showing in preseason. But there's a reason he was a UDFA. Is the reason he had to play at Syracuse and transfer for his fifth year at, at Illinois. Um, it, they just don't have a lot of confidence in Tommy DeVito pulling off a passing attack with this offensive line, which was, again, atrocious, something we can talk about. Um, yep. Asking him to stand back there with the line, like crumbling, trying to read through progressions against a really great Jets defense in secondary. It just seemed risky. And, again, once Saquon got the Giants, the lead at 10-7, the way the game was going, I mean, you can't tell me you were watching that game and not thinking 10-7 felt like a 20-point lead with the way the defenses were dominating. Like, the offenses on both sides couldn't do anything. And the Jets especially were completely inept until the very, very end. So, I don't know. I, I thought he was, in my opinion, Dable knew what he had in DeVito, and he also knew what he had on the other side with Zach Wilson, and he was putting the ball in Zach Wilson's hand. As opposed yeah. to Tommy DeVito saying, which I thought was the right play personally. I didn't think that was a problem.
1: Yeah. And then, but then I guess the other side of that came where I agree, I didn't really have a problem with the way they called that in the fourth quarter. But I think where, personally, where I think you can have more of a problem with it is when you decide to take the ball first in overtime and then <clears> you <throat> run out with that play calling. Yeah. Where, that I
0: have a problem with.
1: Yeah. It's, that was ridiculous. I mean, you're better off, in my opinion, just running the ball at that point because you were just you were just throwing screens every single. You were afraid to. And granted, I don't know how much of that was us just calling a screen, or or as much as us leaving an outlet for Tommy DeVito and him afraid to throw to other targets. i you know I'd have to. Oh look at the all 22 after this they didn't really have a good view of what was developing downfield but it seemed at the time that they were were (coughs) trying to to design it to go to saquon it looked like those
0: those are all in my opinion those are all designed plays to saquon on the first read because they were very quick reads and passes it wasn't like he was scanning the field and checking down they they were like yeah so you know i I had we had arguments on spaces about this like should you take the ball should you not in that space and I was, it was interesting. Like our friend Ivan, who who runs like the best spaces on Twitter, um, base seven one eight. For those of you who, who, who want to follow him, he runs all the best Twitter spaces. He started a space when Kayvon got the sack, to, you know, to get the ball back with one twenty six or whatever it was, um, thinking the game was over. And I was out and I was watching the game and uh, outside, and I told him like, "Hey, the Jets are driving down the field and they're about to score." And he's like, "Really?" Because he left his house, he thought the game was over. Um, oh. And and when uh, when they tied it, and he and I were discussing before the kick, like m- we thought the Giants should have deferred. Like if they got the, mm-hmm. if they won the coin toss, our opinion was kick the ball off. And some people thought it was completely insane and sacrilege to say that. But it was the flow of the game, where like the offenses were not moving the ball, and it was sort of we were saying, you know what, the defense is playing so well, the offense is so bad play the field position game, kick the ball, stop them with your defense, trust your defense, get the ball back in better field position, get close for a field goal and win. Um, and people said, no, you have to try to win. I understand the mentality, but you have to take the ball to win. So the, the Giants win the coin toss. They take the ball, which, you know, you would do 99 out of 100 times, obviously, yep. other than maybe this circumstance. But then they call those plays. And my argument, yeah, is if you're, you're going to rely on the sequence was, a first read throw to the flat to Saquon Barkley that got, I think, two yards. And then there was a holding call on that play. Mm-hmm. All right. Even if it's successful, it got like two yards. You're like second and eight. And then I think three consecutive, two consecutive screens to Saquon, um, which looked like first read sc- uh, screens with him running out. Um, one of them was, I think, behind the line of scrimmage. Um, and the and the, li- the last play on, on uh, third down was basically... I don't know what it was supposed to be, but it looked like he just threw the ball. He's lucky he didn't get intercepted, where he just threw the ball into the line of scrimmage. I don't know if it was supposed mm. to be a design screen or whatnot to Saquon, but if those are your play calls and your designs, and that's your level of trust in Tommy DeVito, you should have just kicked the ball off and trusted your defense yep. to get you in better field position, because if you're closer, at least then you could rely on Saquon Barkley to get you the rest of the yardage and and see if you can get in field, field goal range. Um, but, you know, didn't work out. What can you say?
1: yeah and i uh, i think I'll, like look i, I he, brian dable did not have a good game this was not a good game coaching for him there's a few things we could bring up because you know both those missed field goals were what on fourth and one the first one was on a fourth and one as well yeah. um so you can so you can bring that up as well and that was on the opponent's side of the field there's really no trust in your offense to go for it ultimately I think a lot of this comes back to just your trust in the quarterback. And, you know, when we saw Brian Dable most aggressive as when he has trusted his quarterback, even last year, when he had trust in, in Daniel Jones, he was he was really <clears> going <throat> for those. He'd put those hands the ball in his hands and he would know either he's gonna run for it or he's gonna find a check down. He trusted them in those situations. Yep. That hasn't been the case this year. You saw it a ton in Buffalo, they went for all the time because they put it in Josh Allen's hands and they knew he could he could get it. And I think right now we're running into a situation where we don't have good quarterback play. And it is, I mean, among other things, but in this game, obviously, uh, post not that Tyrod was doing anything special, but post Tyrod going out, you didn't have an NFL quarterback anymore, and it was evident that we we couldn't run an offense. It was very, very similar to, like, the Jake Fromm days where I'm. we had negative passing yards, I think, in the, one of those days, too. Not in the same way this, but technically with uh, interceptions and things like that,
0: it was negative. It was bad, man. Um, the offense has scored a total, a grand total of 95 points this year in eight games. We're, that's a little under. Uh, what is that a little little under 12 points a game um, we're on a historic pace our yep. our our point differential is minus 92 the worst in the NFL but the good news is the Patriots are closing fast. they're at mi- minus 90 because <laughs> because our defense is actually keeping teams down our differentials are, are closing compared to in the beginning of the year um, yeah but That's worst terrible. point differential lowest points two and six um, if there's a positive takeaway from this game, it's the defense. The way they played again, they're, they've they been dominant. Specifically, Kayvon Thibodeau and Death Street still soon.
1: Kayvon Thibodeau.
0: Kayvon so, Thibodeau this week. Yeah, man. Let me give you the intro, and I'll let you break that. I know you want to get into this, but as I'm sure everybody knows that earlier this week, Carl Banks was on the Sal Akata and Brandon Tierney show on WFAN. And they were giving him the business about Kayvon Thibodeau. He um, basically calling out Kayvon for not being a presence, not being a performer. I think Carl was trying to explain to them that he was doing his responsibilities as per Wink and his assignments. They just went off and off, and kept saying things like he doesn't look like Michael Parsons out there, and this and that. Well, I think you know we, we know Kayvon saw that because he he replied to Giant fans that he appreciated them having his back. Essentially, yeah. comes out today. Kayvon Thibodeau, he had nine tackles, six solos, three sacks, three tackles for a loss, three quarterback hits, a forced fumble leading to a Giants turnover. And he had two sacks, as you mentioned, on what should have been the final drive of the Jets, losing a closeout sack, what should have been a closeout sack on fourth down, he was showing incredible ability with his moves on the line of scrimmage. Like the first sack where he caused the fumble, he goes to an outside move, he uses his hands to swat away the left tackle, flies around him, pursues Zach Wilson from the backside like a lion chasing prey, and just absolutely destroys him, takes the ball away, Get John Ward falls on it. He was doing that from the left defensive end spot, the right defensive end spot. He was using all sorts of hand moves, double moves, it was a thing of beauty. It was like watching Kayvon Dibido at his height at Oregon dominating Pac-12 offenses. So uh it was amazing to watch. What are your thoughts on the defense, Monty, and Kayvon specifically?
1: Hearing you talk about Kayvon's me
0: all giddy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he was he, was, he
1: was so he was so
0: good, man. Fuck that's those the, that's, WFN that's, clowns. That's the guy we drafted. That's the guy that, from Oregon.
1: Exactly. Dude. And look. Look, I'm not going to, like, say that Kayvon didn't have a slow start to this year. He did. And, yes, he has not been a total dominating presence every single game. He's succeeded in, like, different ways. It hasn't shown up necessarily, like, in the pass rush win rate like it did his rookie year. But he's been getting pressures. He's been getting sacks. Those fucking and clowns are like, oh, we're talking about pressures now? Yeah, what about what happened to sacks? What do you mean, sacks? He was he was already top 10 in the NFL in sacks. Know where he is now? He's top three in the NFL in sacks. You want to talk about Micah Parsons? He's ahead of Micah Parsons and Sacks. He's ahead of Nick Bosa in sacks. He's ahead of Miles Garrett and Sacks. Like, look, those guys are all still better players than than Kayvon Thibodeau. Don't get me wrong, but Kayvon Thibodeau has been putting on a fucking clinic these yep. last like four or five games. He is on track for eighteen sacks (coughs) on the year. He has what eight and a half right now. Is that what it is? Eight and a half, yeah. What's What's the most sacks anyone's ever had in Wink Martindale's defense? I think nine and a half, maybe nine, eight and a half. I think
0: it was I think it was was nine and a half. It was Matthew nine and a half.
1: So he's one sack off of the all-time record in Wink Martindale's defense by Matthew Judon, one of the greatest defenders in the NFL, and it's fucking week eight. Like, are you... like This, this is the guy we're getting on. I don't want to hear any more fucking uh, Kayvon Thibodeau slander. And I I understood it from people who could back it up. Like, this is not coming out of guys like, like Talking Giants guys. I totally understood what they meant, and they had a lot backing up. They were mostly harping on... You know, it just not being a consistent, a consistent thing. His pass rush win win rate was way down. But at at some point, it's his production is showing up and he's being an impact player now. It's honestly, he's giving me some and somebody said this on timeline to me. He's giving me some like O.C. Minura vibes with how he's impacting the game. He's 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 coming at he's getting his impact in like doses. But when he when he impacts the game, his presence is felt.
0: Yeah, and and he was impacting the run game, too. Like, yes, he was. There, there were some stops on Brees Hall where he blows back the left tackle and destroys the running lane and then takes down Brees Hall. So, you know, he was doing his job. He was dominating from the end uh, as a defensive end, as an edge, and pass rush and the run game. He was just, just dominating the whole game. Dexter Lawrence, I mean, it's just a weekly occurrence. 15 pressures. 15 15- pressures. How is that even possible? Like he got in got 15
1: game. pressures?
0: It's either 15 or 14. I don't know the official number, but Jesus it's either 14, 15 or 14. Christ. I think he had only one sack. Um, I'll look it he up. You didn't here. even
1: see that. That's insane.
0: Yeah, I'll pull up his numbers here. Yeah, pull it up. Dick's, that's nuts. he had like in one last sack, week. one time yeah. I mean the well, they don't have the official numbers up yet, but I saw the posted number um somewhere. I forgot who posted it. It was on Twitter I saw, it. Yeah, they did 14, that
1: last week, so I'm sure somebody posted yeah, it.
0: Yeah, it was either 14 or 15 pressures. Fucking insane. And to be honest, it looked like 20. Like, he was <laughs> in the backfield the whole I, damn game. I mean, to be fair, they were, they were on, what, their third? Their Ford, at four, four, their, I think their fourth string center because it, Joe Tippman didn't it went, play, and then McGovern point. got hurt, and then the guy backing up McGovern got hurt. So they had, I don't know, who back who was snapping the ball at one point. That poor guy fumbled the ball in his first snap, remember? <laughs> Uh, yeah.
1: yeah, Mike McFadden got a, f- a fumble recovery. Shout right. out Mike McFadden.
0: So there was that. But still, I mean, 14, 15 pressures in one game. Um, Nick Velado posted the video. I don't know if you saw it. It's brutal. On the overtime third and 10 completion to Zach uh, from Zach Wilson to Garrett Wilson. Did you see what happened? Dexter oh, Lawrence man. got held, like, horrifically. It was a ridiculous oh. hold. Like, literally... He beats the center. The center just grabs his arm and yanks him, and his body's going one direction, his arm's going the other direction. Um, so that sh- that was a misholding call. Oh, and by the way, on Brees Hall's touchdown, that great play by Brees Hall, Kayvon got held on that. I don't know if you noticed. Um, yeah,
1: you texted me about that.
0: Go go watch it again. Kayvon gets around. The, he gets around the left tackle. He's bearing down on Wilson. He's about to sack him, and then you see like as he turns the ed- as he turns the edge, he's actually going around him from behind. His, his, he's nearing Zach Wilson and then his arm is getting pulled backwards by the tackle. And then, and then Wilson gets the ball off. So like both of these were like people's arms literally flailing backwards from, from overt holding and the, the refs missed it. Um, but nothing to take away from those guys. They dominate. Dexter Lawrence is a freak. I love the guy. What's not to love. Kayvon Thibodeau is coming on like the guy we drafted. He's a monster. The defense has been great. Just great. Michael McFadden, another good game. Fumble recovery it wasn't his best game, but he's solid, man. He's in, he, he's where he's supposed to be. He makes good tackles. Um, they both.
1: at had a good game. Three tackles for yeah. loss. Led the I team. Mean, okay. in two
0: tackles. Bo- both of K and McFadden like lost footing on the Brees Hall touchdown. Those looked kind of ugly, yeah. but that was one play. You know, I mean, it's a bad play, but it was one play. They played a good game. The defense was amazing. Deontay Banks, this kid traveled with Garrett Wilson. He's a rookie. He, did yep. you hear about this? He, he went to his coach and said, I want to travel with Wilson.
1: That's awesome. You love he, to hear shit like that.
0: And yes, Garrett Wilson had a great game. Don't take anything. He had a great game. Yeah. But for a rookie corner to say, I've got this, let me handle this assignment. The confidence that's got to instill in the rest of the guys in the secondary, like, all right, whatever happens with Garrett Wilson, Deontay will handle it. We got to take care of these other guys. It makes their life easier. And you know what? The, de- the defense played great.
1: Yeah. And it just, I know, I know that Banks had like, uh, Wilson had a good game on Banks, but I don't know. It felt, it never felt like Banks was getting his ass kicked. It always felt like he was always right there. And he was, was never a liability despite, you know, Wilson having a good game. Yeah. I mean, Dory so, really shit the bed on us on one, on one of those. <coughs> well, passes the,
0: well, the one that basically ended the game in yep. overtime that the pass interference where he just didn't look back and just ran into, was it Lazard on that play? Thanks, I God. forgot who it was. Yeah. It was. So talking about a Dory is a good segue to where we need to go with this discussion. Yeah. That, now the unfun stuff, the giants after eight weeks are two and six, the New York times. I've mentioned this, this site before the upshot on the New York times is a site that does a lot of statistical analysis for people who are stats, junkies, the Upshot, um, run by Nate Cohn, five thirty-eight, run by Nate Silver. These guys are are stat and probability gurus. They run incredible models, both for politics and for sports. Um, well, the Upshot has an NFL playoff probability chart. It's got actually got a simulator. It's fun to play with, with like what you th- what your team's chances will be if they won this game, lost that game, this and that. But as it stands, the Giants have a a two and six have a one percent chance. One like Dr. Strange, one, one percent chance of making the playoffs. And the trade deadline is in less than two days. It's at 4 p.m. on Tuesday. The Giants are down to their third string quarterback. They have a one percent chance of making the playoffs. They're two and six. Daniel Jones's future is there's some reports coming out about his neck. I don't even want to get into it other than to say it's not sounding reassuring. Um, Let's just leave it at that. Tyrod Taylor's in the hospital tonight with some sort of injury to his ribs. I mean, it yep. sounds bad. Tommy DeVito is not allowed to throw the football, and he's our starting quarterback now. Yeah. Um, so, Joe Shane, what are you doing? Let's talk about it. We got less than two days left. What are you doing tonight, Monty, if you're Joe Shane? I'm
1: I'm calling up my buddy, Brandon, uh, Brandon Bean. And trying to trying to get a deal to send uh, send some guys over to Buffalo because they they have some needs right right in pl- places of uh, where we need to make some moves. They could use Adore Jackson. <coughs> they could use Leonard Williams.
0: They could use Saquon Barkley.
1: Let's <laughs> uh, see what they what they want to want from us, and let's see if we can work something out with they, with his old buddy over there.
0: The Giants have one point three million dollars in cap space. They don't have enough to get through the season. And they're going to need a quarterback at this point. Among who knows what else, they have to do something to open up cap space. So they have two choices: they can start trading away some players to free up some space, which I think obviously is the logical thing to do, or they can restructure contracts and push some money till the future, which seems kind of irrational and crazy at this point. Yeah. Um. So the big money deals. Let's start at the top. So I I, I sent in one of the chats my estate sale list yeah, I knew you would enjoy that. Um, in my opinion, I know people people think I'm crazy because I've been beating this horn. this uh, I've been beating this this story and this drum for a long time now. but and we, we know there are not usually a lot of deals at the deadline, but this is a great draft class. That's what our pods about. It's a great draft class. We only have six picks. The Giants are in a uniquely awful situation. like I mean, uniquely awful. they they are down to their third string quarterback, and there's no timetable for when their starting quarterback is ever returning and he may have a career-threatening injury, they have a 1% chance of making the playoffs. Like, it doesn't get any better than this if you're trying to get so, like a solid answer to, should I be selling? It doesn't get any clearer than this. It's almost like the football gods are sending a message to Joe Shane, like, get your head firmly out of your ass and understand what's happening in front of you and start making some deals. I don't know how else to say it at this point. Like, yeah. it, you need to start making some deals. So. The list is long, in my opinion, of tradable players, and I would look to I would dangle all of them and see what happens. Leonard Williams is owed about nine million dollars through the rest of the year. That's it for the team acquiring him. That's not his cap it. People are going to reply with, "Oh, he's a thirty-two million cap it. You can't trade it." That's his cap it to the Giants is not the same as the the financial liability to the team that would be acquiring him. That's only his residual remaining salary for the season, which is nine million. And to be totally honest, the Giants could easily move that for a good football player on Leonard Williams and say, we'll eat half of it. We'll pay four and a half million of it. So you get Leo for four and a half million dollars, which is an absolute steal in exchange for better draft compensation for a team that's and going still saving money. Yeah. And you're still making enough money to get through the season. Just that one move just that half of Leonard Williams contract would get you through the season Easy. while you eat
1: it, while you eat half of it, you're still saving four and a half million.
0: Right. It would get you up to six million in cap saving in cap into cap dollars the rest of the year. You're good. You're done for the year, basically. You don't do anything. That's you don't do anything else. You do that one move, you get through this year, you actually save some money probably by the end of the year, and you get some draft capital. I think Leonard Williams is probably worth, in my opinion, a third-round pick, maybe a fourth round pick, but in that territory. But if somebody calls you and says, Hey, we'll give you a fifth and a sixth, or we'll give you a fourth and a sixth, or some, I think that the kind of deal that could happen what, what are your thoughts on that one
1: i'll say if i was a competing team who could use uh interior defensive lineman with pass rush ability and i heard the giants called offered to pay half his salary and only wanted a third round pick for leonard williams and they didn't pull the trigger i'd be pretty mad at my team over that like yeah like you can get a third round comp pick for this guy like that's what smart teams would do you right. you Four and a half million is a steal for what for what he could offer for your team for the rest of the year. That's the type of guy who could help put your defensive line over the top. It, <laughs> it he it feels like if you're willing to be flexible on the salary cap to get, you know, something done and get a good return on him, it feels like that should be out there. I I don't know, but in my mind he has that type of value if your team is competing. Leonard Williams is a damn good player.
0: Yep. I agree. So that should be number 1 is Leonard Williams. Like I think that's because, not only because of the money say but because he probably gets you back the best draft compensation. Um Saquon Barkley would be in that conversation but they've already publicly come out and said we're not trading Saquon Barkley so I'm going to I'm just not going to discuss it because I think it's I get that. It's logical that he should be traded but this organization is illogical when dealing with this matter, so let's leave it at that. Um, I, I'll be surprised. be an point. owner
1: thing. We don't know. Just...
0: Right? It's just not going to happen. Like it, I would be absolutely, besides myself, shocked if he's not a giant at four o'clock on Tuesday. So it would be the talk of the town, obviously, if that happened. So let's not talk about that. It's probably not going to happen. But Adoree Jackson, he's another one. Adoree Jackson has an $11 million contract with half the season left. So let's say he's got about $5.5 million or so, roughly yep. five million, five and a half million left on his contract. He hasn't had the best year so far, but he's also playing out of position. Um, he's probably hurt his value. Um, if I'm a Dory, I wanna get out of here and go somewhere that's a competitor. So I have a chance to rebuild my value up before I hit free agency. Certainly I think he should be incentivized to do that. The writing is certainly on the wall with him. On the Giants in terms of where they're where they prioritize him an acquiring team for a 28 year old boundary man corner a very valuable asset can you get a fourth is it more like a fifth um, what are you thinking for Dory Jackson because you're only paying about 5 million that's assuming yeah. the Giants don't eat anything
1: so, I mean, uh, first off, I'll say I think a Jackson is the trade piece. I think that is the guy who makes the most sense, who I think teams will be looking to trade for just because cornerback depth is so important in this league, especially if you want to be a you know, Super Bowl contender. Um, he's is the money is not that high. You see cornerbacks moved around a good bit. So. As far as to your question about the compensation, I could see a fourth. I think fifth is probably more realistic, but I, I think I could see something along the lines of, which honestly I think would be better for the Giants, would be like a fifth and a seventh or something. Then you get two draft picks. You, move, you go up from six to eight. You recover that seventh round pick you're missing and you still get. You know, a fifth round pick in the neighborhood of that <coughs> outfit that you'd be getting for Adore Jackson, but you get it this year. I think that's the type of deal I'd probably be looking for for Adore Jackson.
0: In this scenario, do you think the Giants would have to eat any money of that five million or so?
1: Um, I think the thing with Adore Jackson is that maybe the Giants would eat a little bit to get it done, but I think it's a little bit different than Leonard Williams, where it's like. You it's almost like a something you have to do to trade Leonard Williams. It like just for people to take on that money at this point in the season. There's not a lot of teams that have that. Even, you know, although I think he's worth nine million dollars, I don't think a lot of teams have nine million dollars just laying around. While in the Dory Jackson's case, I do think a team could fit him onto onto their salary cap. So, um. I don't know. It feels a little bit different there. Cause it's like, yeah, we could eat some, but like, you're going to have to up the offer. Like, it's not like, it's almost like that has to get worked out first in the Leonard Williams case. Well, that's like a, okay, but also fine. We'll do that. What else are you going to give us type of thing? So um, it just depends on the team, I guess I would say.
0: So in an ideal scenario, for the Giants trading for assets, you could, it sounds like you think we could, you can see both Leo and Adori getting traded, Um, maybe eating half of Leo's money. So you save about four and a half there, saving all of Adori's money. So you're closer to like nine and a half million or so, maybe 10 million. Um, And you get back the equivalent of a third and then maybe a fifth and a seventh or something along those lines. Does that sound about right for those two? Yeah. Would that that feel like if you traded both those guys and you walked away with $11 million in cap savings for this year and a third and a fifth and a seventh Would that, would you consider that a victorious process until by Tuesday afternoon?
1: Yeah, I'd be thrilled. But the the tough thing with Leonard Williams, I think specific is specifically you're supposed you're going to have to be really aggressive to trade him at this point in this process. I don't know if they've had any preliminary talks about him, but at this point, you're going to have to be very aggressive to get a, done, a deal done with uh, Leonard Williams. And maybe how you're aggressive is just you know offering to eat that half of his salary off the bat when you're making these trades. That's I, that, mean,
0: I, I mean, that's why I mentioned it.
1: Yeah, because at Look, this point, I think that's how you almost have to approach it because like, there's not enough team to have that type of money. So it's just, <clears throat> hey, we're looking to trade Leonard Williams. We'll eat half his salary. Will you do this? Let's well, be, so for...
0: Well, so the, the commanders have put both Chase Young and Montez Sweat on the trade market, supposedly. And the rumor has that they were offered a third-round pick already for Montez Sweat. Um, I don't know what his contract... It can't be that crazy, like, different. Like, he's probably on... Is he on his, he's on his 50 year option, I believe, right? So um, um, he was a first-round pick. Yes, so. Yeah, yes, he yeah. He's the same year as, uh, as Dexter Lawrence. Yep. Um, so, what is a fifth year option for an edge rusher? What's he making? Like tw- 15 million or something this year? Um, let me see. It's going to be all. He's making 16- 60. He's making. Well, he no. Yeah. I'm going to look it up real quick.
1: He's making 11.5, and it's all salary.
0: All right. So, there's probably, you know, the team would be acquiring five and a half there. So, that again, like. They, they're a team was looking to eat five and a half million on him. You can make Leo available for cheaper. And, you know, is Montez is an edge rusher. They're not the same, but the point is impactful defensive linemen who can rush the passer. I mean, I would probably put Leo and Montes wet in a similar category of relative value to a team. You know, I don't, I don't know if you would put them very differently I think Leo's a little better at what he does than Montez Sweat is is what he does. I think Montez Sweat's position carries a little bit higher value, but overall, I think it's fairly similar. What do you think?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I, first, my immediate reaction was like Montez Sweat has more value, but I mean, this guy's an edge rusher who's (laughs) never had double digit sacks. He's 27 years old compared to Leonard Williams, 29 29 years old. Leonard, and yes, he plays a more, um, premium position but i don't know how how true that is anymore i mean look at like what these interior defensive linemen are being paid especially the ones with pass rush it's, it's a marginal like, difference would you would it surprise you at all if leonard williams got paid more than montez sweat on the open market
0: i think they're going to get from an
1: the... AAV standard
0: level no and I, in fact i'm willing to bet that they're going to get almost the same money on the open market i think I they'll agree. both be in that significant the it'll be like in somewhere in the 16 to 18 million per year range, somewhere yeah. in there on average as, for the both of them. So <clears throat> again, they probably have comparable value. So if Montez, what can get you a third, what can Leonard Williams get you probably close to a third. And again, Montez, what you're going to have to eat, you know, five and a half million, assuming that that's all you take, you're taking on the whole remaining contract and the giants could make Leonard Williams deal so that the team acquiring him takes on something like that, right? Four and a half, five million. So, I, I don't know how hard it would be to move Leo, honestly. I, I really think if you put him on the market and you make calls in earnest to teams that need D-line, pass rush help, he's a difference maker. He's, an, he's a difference maker for a competitor trying to make win a Super Bowl this year. So I wouldn't close the door on that. If they don't trade him, I truly believe it's because they choose not to trade him as opposed to they had a hard time finding a buyer.
1: Yeah. No, I mean... It's just how much they're willing to bend at this point to get it done for me. It's it's tough. It's a tough move to tell Leonard Williams. I think it's to me, it's a no brainer to get it done. But you just don't see a lot of these trades done around the trade deadline. And some we've been hearing about guys like Montez Sweat and Chase Young being shopped for (coughs) a week now and to turn around and try to get something done with Leonard Williams.
0: Okay, but 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 at the same time, we're talking about organizations that it's being reported. We're saying we want to see if we win the next game before we make a decision on whether or not to trade them. That's what bad teams do. The Commanders are a bad organization. I mean, they're probably going to change with new ownership, but right now they're still a bad organization. The Giants—that's the point. They shouldn't be a bad organization. You shouldn't hinge decision making on whether or not we won or lost this Jets game. You know, it's a crazy way to do business. But we are here at a point where they should be looking at this and. The point is, I think these guys have value. I agree, Adori is a slam dunk. Like, if you don't move Adori, you, you're just not even trying. Like, yeah, this is be, be mad if
1: They don't move Adori,
0: you know. But I think Leo is a guy who carries a lot of value. I, I I think if you move those two, I would be thrilled. I think you can get two to three p- picks back. You could probably get at least one third, and if not one third, you can get a couple of forts and and something extra, um, which is solid value for those two and the cap relief. And that money, not only does it help you get through this year, but it, if whatever you don't use, you can forward it to next year as savings and it helps you, right? I think a portion of it goes to next year. I don't think the whole thing does, right? It's not dollar for dollar. I think it's a, a, a...
1: no, it's dollar for dollar. It's just, you can only carry over a certain percentage of your total cap.
0: Right. Um, Okay. So that, that, that means you do save that money. Um, So it'll help with decision-making for next year too. So I just think those are two no-brainer decisions. Um there are a couple of other guys who are worth discussing. Um, unless you have any other thoughts on Adori and Leo.
1: No, not not really. It's just those those two are definitely the guys that if if those two get traded, it's a slam dunk, like good, good trade deadline for
0: us. <laughs> and by the way, like potential targets for Leo are pretty much any team that needs any pass rush help going into the playoff push. So I'm thinking teams like Detroit, um, maybe a team like Seattle that's on the bubble trying to get in. Um, yep. You go to the AFC, a team like, uh, I mean, a team like the the Dolphins could probably use some pass rush help. Um, I don't think the Bills necessarily need defensive line help, but they are getting guys banged up. So, yeah. you know, there, there's at least some room there. Um, I haven't checked in on what's going on with the chiefs. Um, I know the Ravens are pretty much solid up there. Um, but the Bengals, these are all teams, you know, Jacksonville, um, there are they're teams that are out there that could probably use a rental to help them in their pass rush. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh,
1: there's, there's a lot of teams that could use the services.
0: So I think I think you'll find a buyer uh, and a jury like we keep mentioning Buffalo, but there's probably more teams than Buffalo. There's probably at least three or four teams out there that would gladly take a corner, for example, the 49ers. The 49ers have one corner. Um, I mean, they have a great a great defense, but Shavarius Ward is essentially it. Like a lot of the other guys are rotational. So would they give you something for a Dory? Probably. You know, I, I think you'd call them. Um, but those are the big two. You got other guys that we could trade. Uh, and these names are not discussed as much, but I think they're worth mentioning. So number one, a guy nobody talks about a lot, um, a relatively new addition to the Giants, Ashawn Robinson. Um so he's been playing well. I should start with that. He's been good. He hasn't been great. Um, but he never was a I wouldn't call him a great player. I think he was a good rotational defensive lineman. Ashawn Robinson, um, I'm gonna look at his salary, but I think we paid him what, eight million for this year or something like that. Do you remember? Um that
1: sounds right. Or six or eight million, something around
0: there. Let me look up his number. Eight and a half. No, I'm sorry, that was last year. Um he is making such a weird contract. Um, <laughs> f- f- five million. I'm sorry. So he had five million with four guaranteed it. So his salary is not that much, you're not saving a ton. Uh, and you've pretty much already eaten the dead cap on it at four million. So he's not going to save you really any money. But could you get something for Aishon Robinson? I mean, is it even worth considering? What do you think?
1: probably not to be honest with you i maybe a play a pick swap in 2025 like i think what you're gonna get is like a 2025 like seventh for six maybe like that that's be. the best
0: case scenario oh, right so you may as well just hold on them. yeah
1: i mean like look if somebody wants to offer you that you're not really in a position like sure take them type of thing i get it but like it's just like it's if you get a call on him, I'm not, I'm not spending my time trying to shop him.
0: I got you. Let's move on. Um, here's a fun one. A guy who got hurt today within like a few plays and didn't come back. Darren Waller all week had a hamstring issue. <laughs> he was listed as, uh, I think he was listed as limited or, or did not, you know, or questionable in practice all week. He played and then he quickly hurt his hamstring and then he was ruled out of the game like that. Like it was, it was bizarre. Like he was yeah. just out of the game immediately, no, which I thought was strange. And then he was just sitting on the sideline. I'm like, how? I, I couldn't understand what was happening. In any case, uh, he's under contract, as you guys know. We we gave up what, the hundredth overall pick, right? A comp third to get him, and he still uh, this year is owed not much money, like another half a million or so. Um, but beyond that, he has no guaranteed money, none. And he hasn't. An, he has what? Twenty two. Like about 36, 37 million left on his deal over the next three years. Thirty-six point seven million, something like that, over the next few years, or thirty-five million or so. He does he, have a little bit of
1: uh dead money. He has about seven like a seven and a half, or half to eight, something seven, like that. He, he has
0: seven point three dead for us. Right. Yeah, the Giants it's are it's gonna true. eat that dead money, but in terms of guaranteed money to the team acquiring him, it's just as base. Oh.
1: Yeah, no, they won't acquire anything. But, yeah, if we move him,
0: we'll have to eat about $8 million. Right. It's not too bad. Um, so you're talking about, let's say, the equivalent of $35, $36 million remaining for three years of control of a damn good tight end who on the right offense is probably like a top five tight end in the NFL, top five to top seven, something like that. Um, This is tricky. You have him under control. You very well may be drafting a young quarterback next year. Do you want that young quarterback to have Darren Waller, or do you explore Darren Waller and see what you can get for him? What are your thoughts on him, Monty?
1: I'm not picking up the phone unless it's a third round pick. Personally, yeah. I, I, I don't see any reason moving him now. But based off how much, how many years of control we have on him, and the potential of drafting a a quarterback where we might want. A weapon like Darren Waller for him if they call me as a third round pick that's definitely something I have to consider and I you know take a look at the free agency coming up and the draft and, you know see what type of routes I can go to make sure my quarterback next year is going to have options around him but um uh short of a third I would I wouldn't pick it I wouldn't do it and
0: I don't know if you'd get that where, where are you yeah I agree I'm not I'm probably not making calls for this with the limited time we have left. I mean, I think in the middle of a call to somebody else or about another player, I might say, do you have any interest in Darren Waller? Um, and and see what I can get. Um, because you have him under control. But if somebody picks up the phone and says, you guys are two and six, I need your tight end, what's it going to take? And you say, well, make me your best offer. And the guy comes back with, we'll offer you a third and a fifth or a third round, you know, something like that, or a third and a sixth third and a pick swap, something like that, you know, to sweeten the deal to get it done. Um, it's still not 100% easy to do because you still have to replace, you know, production at some point. Yeah, um, And you're, you know, it's not easy to replace Darren Waller in a third with a third round pick. However, um, I will say that there, you know, while it's not a great tight end class, I do think there are good tight ends who could be drafted in this, draft you know on day three um you know and 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 i i you know they don't have to be like superstars but i think they'll be solid and i'm a big believer in daniel bellinger still
1: i yeah, think he's that a very was good the, i was gonna
0: add yeah like, i think you're in, you're in a position where you can make this move
1: because you have darren uh then because then you have <coughs> daniel bellinger walking into that position um i guess what right. you're considering when you're when you're trading a Darren Waller is not only are you getting a third round pick what you got you know back from him you know he has a cap hit of four point or 14.5 15.5 yeah, 5, in and 17.5 so that's money you can use towards signing a free agent um, on right. top of the third round pick you're getting so right. I'm not again with that said I'm not sold at that but I would consider it for all those reasons
0: considered. I think I think you're right then this is one of those situations where somebody calls you and says, What are you doing, Waller? You got to listen, but it's got to be a high price. Like, I'm not yeah. selling him with all the years of control. I'm not telling, I...
1: I'm not selling for less than what I bought him for.
0: Exactly. With all the control you have. I agree. Yeah. Um, next guy on the list. I feel like I'm running an estate sale. I really do. Yeah. Uh, Darius Layton. Um, mm-hmm. I jokingly said in spaces, I was like, You got to sell him. Our friend Wes Steinberg got a kick out of this. He was enjoying my commentary in this basis. He's become yeah, a frequenter Wes. of our space. Uh, Wes, I hope you listen to the pod. I know you, you liked us. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, so we'll protect your identity, I promise. Uh, but uh, he laughed when I wrote, like, sell Darius because who's throwing him the football? Can I say that yet? Daniel Jones, I don't know if he's ever coming back. Tyrod Taylor looked like he football died on the field. Poor guy. He's in the hospital tonight. My terminology, sorry. Tommy <laughs> DeVito's not Tommy De- De- DeVito was is on a curfew. He's not allowed to throw the football. Who's throwing Darius Slayton the ball? He's got a two year deal. Um yeah. the Giants have are have already eating, are eating like, you know, whatever, 5.25 dead calf or something this year. Very little next year. He's a better player than his contract would suggest, I would say. And I think he's a valuable player. He's 26 years old. Some team, I think, will find value in Darius We know the Atlanta Falcons wanted him. Mm -hmm. Um, Would you trade him, and what would you get for him? Where would you price – would you price Darius Slayton? Would you put a tag on him and see what you can get, and what would it be? What would your price be? It's
1: a good question. Um. I would trade Darius Slayton hundred percent. Um I'd probably move him for a six. I'd love to get a fifth. <coughs> I'd probably move him for a six.
0: Is it crazy a for fifth. me to think you you could get a fifth for Darius Slayton?
1: I don't think it's insane. I just think where we've seen a lot of these a lot of these trades are just teams throwing like a six round pick at you for for these players. And that's probably more in the territory, but I mean Look,
0: teams need wide receivers.
1: They, they're they're constantly looking for them. So this is a
0: guy. Mace will be so happy. That I said this. I upset him earlier. Um, <laughs> but this is a guy who last year had 46 receptions and 71 targets. He only started 11 games. Um, he in those games, 724 yards. He did have only two touchdowns, but he was giving you what was the number yards per target 10.2 yards per target per target and 15.7 yards per reception one of the highest in the NFL he has decent separation numbers he's obviously a speed threat um you know his issue is is really catch percentage and he's at 56% this year which is you know one of his lower numbers but he was at 65% last year i think in the right offensive system this is a guy who is valuable as, like, a wide receiver three type. Yeah, I guess, like, top end, you know, maybe a fifth-round pick. Bottom end, maybe, like, a six or a seven. If you got a six for him, um, I would be okay with that. Give me a six and a seventh the next year. You know, something like that.
1: What it comes down to, man, is you save <laughs> $6 million by cutting him this offseason. Are you gonna cut them or are you gonna keep them for six million? I wouldn't blame them either way and how they did it, but yeah. if you're gonna cut them, then you probably should just take the trade. If you think that there's a better chance than not, you're gonna try to get that cap savings and cut Darius Slayton, then there's a team out there who's who will use Darius Slayton services. And honestly, fifth round pick might be reasonable given the extra the extra year control they'll have on him. Uh, he's a good player, man. I mean, like even like getting away from like contender, even a team like the the Carolina Panthers who have been begging to get a wide receiver help in there. I could see something right. like that. Right. Take I take mean, a team, from the Panthers.
0: Exactly, like a team that just wants a good target, a speed target for a young quarterback, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you can make the argument that if the Giants go get a young quarterback, couldn't Slayton help be that guy for us? And I think that's a valid argument. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think he's without value at all. Um, I'm just wondering what the price point would be at which you'd move him. Um, six might be, might be the number, or maybe they just say the best we can do is a six. Let's just keep him. So I'm kind of agnostic about the Slayton issue, but it's a curious discussion because if you can get higher than six if you can get a fifth, I think you move them. That's yeah. how I look at it. Um, let me, see, let me see. What else do I have? Paris Campbell, another wide receiver who does absolutely nothing for the Giants at this point. Yep. Um, this poor guy, man. Like, I don't know if it's him. I don't know if it's him being on the Giants, but he came here on a one-year deal, and this is not going to be good for his career. Uh, he's He he, had his, he has a 4.7 uh, salary this year, one-year deal. His base is 1.4. The Giants are going to eat $3 million in debt cap anyway. Um, He's owed maybe $700,000 to the rest of the year. What could you get? For seven hundred thousand dollars worth of Paris Campbell.
1: I think you're looking at like uh like a Cam Akers type trade here where you're gonna get like a pick swap <coughs> in like in like 2026 and you're gonna get like a, a seventh for a sixth round. I think that's that's what you're looking for with Paris Campbell. And if, if somebody calls you saying, Hey, will you give us Paris Campbell for some sort of pick swap? I'd be like, what do you got for me? Just send it
0: over. <laughs> Well, I think, and I think that's kind of where we are. Um, yeah. Are there any other players you thought about that might be amenable to at least dangling?
1: So I'll mention the name, but I'm I'm gonna preface where I don't really think we should move him right now. Aziz Ojolari is a name that people have mentioned. Um, yeah, I I don't see the point of doing it right now. You still have another year of control on him. Um, I he's been hurt. I think you you try to let him get healthy and reestablish some value either to you or to another team. And maybe this off scenes, you can look into something like that based on what you want to do at the edge position. But, uh, I wouldn't do it right now with Aziz, but that is a name that I think is worth mentioning.
0: Right before I got on, um, I was talking to our friend Don, uh, and Don said, would you trade for Daniel Hunter right now? Um, and he, he dangled a trade. He said a third round pick plus Aziz Ojolari for Danilo Hunter and extension. Would you do it? You're saying no. No, there's no shot. <laughs> You're not giving up a pick right now. No, I'm not trading no. for people right now.
1: It would. I agree. If, if I'm trading for it, they have to be in a rookie contract and have another year of control. left.
0: Yeah. Otherwise, I have no interest. Firing deals. No, Thanks. What if we call the Jets and no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> we took somebody on an expiring deal and then we could just franchise tag them, you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: yeah, it's just franchise. We'll figure it out later. Let them we'll build up five, their value, and then pay them.
0: And four years later, we'll have the discussion all over again. Um, I yeah, love the new I, Hunter and I was for
1: trading him before, yeah, I was too. It's season's over,
0: yeah. So I wouldn't trade Aziz right now. I think he's at low value, I think he still has value in the NFL. The guy's just had bad injury luck. Maybe that's how he is. But if he's edge three with a lower workload and you get an edge two this off season, I do think that changes things. So yeah. I'm holding on to watch him become edge three. Um, So there you have it. And by the way, we're not saying in discussing all these players, we expect the Giants to trade all these guys. Obviously that is not going to happen. But I think – this is one of those situations where like, you can't just say I'm only willing to trade one or two guys because if you go into it with that mentality, you may not trade anybody. I think you have to go into this and actually dangle like certain, make a lot of phone calls and see who can be moved. And what do we discuss? One, two, three, four, five, I think six players, right? So if you're making calls about six players, maybe you get one of the big guys and one or one or two of the smaller ones to get traded. And you get your draft picks and you get your cap savings. I think that's the approach. But I, I do think that the Giants have to be open for business. That's the bottom line.
1: No, no, we didn't even mention? Xavier McKinney.
0: Oh, right. I'm sorry. How did I forget that one? Mm-hmm. Big one. <sighs> yeah. All right. Let's talk about it because that deserves its own little segment here. Yeah. Xavier McKinney is having a solid year. Not a great year. He's having a solid year. I believe. Does he have any interceptions yet? I'll check, I want to say I want to so. say no. Um, he's owed basically nothing. He was a second round pick. He's in his fourth year, so he's basically owed like nothing at this point. Um, let me see. No, he doesn't have any interceptions. Um, this year so far, Xavier McKinney has no interceptions. He has six pass deflections, one forced fumble. He has thirty eight tackles, thirty solo tackles, which is solid. Eight assists. So he's never been a pro bowler and he's never been all pro. His best year was in his second year, where he played free safety in the Patrick Graham system, and he was able to accumulate five interceptions in 16 games. And he had 10 pass deflections that year. Um, he he had one tackle for a loss, he had 93 tackles and 59 solos that year. He was all over the place. But he really has had a very, very average career as a giant, other than that one year. His agent that he hired last year is David Malagetta, who is known as essentially the premier agent for safeties. Guess these guys paid. I think he was, I think he's Derwin James's agent, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, (coughs) Xavier McKinney hired him because he wants to get paid. Mm -hmm. I'm quite confident that Xavier McKinney values himself as being a guy who's in the top 10 of the NFL safety room and wants to be paid as such, which is probably somewhere between what? 12 to 18 million a year something like Probably that better. yeah yeah on the low end 12 high end 18. so he's he's a free agent after this year some people say why don't you just franchise tag him the franchise tag for safety is 19 million dollars i cannot see the giants doing that putting a 19 because he'll sign it it'll be like thanks yeah yeah Gladly. Uh, yeah so if you're not going to tag him and he's going to hit the market unrestricted and he has an agent who wants to get him the most dollars, obviously. Um, and his best production came out of a system that is very different than your current defensive system. I think you can make a strong case that he's not coming back. If you let him hit the market, he's not coming back. Yeah. So they don't have an extension with him yet. So barring an extension getting done by Tuesday with him, um, would you trade Xavier McKinney?
1: I would. I would trade him. Um Depends on the price, though. Um, I mean, I was kind of talk about going through here with the other ones. A third round, a third rounder would be a no brainer. I don't think you get a third rounder for Xavier McKinney just based off of the, the value of the, the safety position. Yeah. Um, I think uh, a fourth might be reasonable. Um, maybe a fifth and uh, like a sixth or something. Um, would I do it for those prices? um maybe I don't know it's it I think it's tough because what you mentioned was for fourth I'd probably do it fourth and something I definitely would but you're basically gonna let him test the open market you said you're not gonna tag him he's gonna test the open market and <clears throat>
0: what do you think he's worth it, what do you think he'll get give me a number if he stays at his pace
1: Years 30 million,
0: I think that's about right, and in fact, that's kind of exactly where I had him three years 30 million. Yeah, so let's say he gets that and it's not from the Giants. What kind of comp pick are you looking for that? Getting back in return for that, like a a uh, fourth, somewhere
1: between a fourth and a fifth,
0: right? So you're talking about getting maybe a comp, a, a comp fourth is basically a fifth, a comp fifth is basically a sixth, so you're getting maybe like a fifth or a sixth round pick in 2025.
1: If you don't cancel it
0: out. Which is hard not to do for that value. Um yep. so you're basically getting nothing for him essentially if you let him hit the market. So again, the team calls you and says, We'll give you we'll give you a fourth. We want McKinney and a maybe they want to pick with him, you know. Um, give us McKinney and a future seventh. Yeah. Or That's something me. like that. Yeah. No, seriously what if like they call for that um or they just say we'll give you a straight up fist would you make the deal
1: um i mean i think it comes down to how committed you are to bringing him back and i understand like what we talked about he's gonna hit open market like he's gonna see what's out there but if you're committed to trying to get something done with him and you, I think there's a chance you can get him (laughs) back anyway, especially at, you know, I don't think that price is unreasonable, but you know, you have to compete with teams that don't have income uh, tax in their state. And he's from, you know, the the warmer parts of the country. Um, You know, I don't think he's been like a crazy, um, a guy who's really, benefited from endorsements of being in New York like a guy like Saquon Barkley so I don't think that's as strong of an argument for a guy like him so uh, yeah I I do it but I think if you're planning to bring him back you don't trade him just to trade him because you're scared that you might lose him
0: I think that's exactly the, the process like even if I don't trade him I'm sitting down with him and his agent and I'm, I'm starting the process of working out a deal. Um, I really am. And and personally, I think I mentioned this to people on this pod and on spaces. And i told you for certainly that I would have been doing this for weeks. I would yep. have been sitting down with Xavier McKinney and, and David Milageta and saying, I'd like to get you signed to a multi-year deal now and, and lay out the framework of it and see how realistic it is. And how, how willing are the two of them to sign a deal like that? So he doesn't hit the open market. Um, and if it, Appeared that they were way off in number than what you think you're willing to offer, or they're just not interested. I think you kind of have the information you need. And for all we know, Joe Shane did that. We don't know if he did or didn't do that. Um, but if the answer is it doesn't, you don't come away feeling confident that he's going to resign with you. I think you just move him. I, yeah, you just move him at that point. But if you feel very confident that he's likely to want to come back, if he if he expresses a strong desire to stay here, um, you lay out the framework of a deal, and they seem interested, and you're in the ballpark. And it seems very likely that you'll work something out. I think then you can risk it and say, we're not going to trade him for a fifth or something like that. Let's just see what happens. Yep. But this, like you said, it's all about the commitment to keep him. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, But yeah, man, now we're we're looking at what's coming forward with us and how how this team's going to do and the rest of the season. I'll be honest, man, with... The uncertainty of Daniel Jones, and I—I I know we're hearing Week Nine, Week Ten, and maybe maybe those reports end up being true. But we also have heard some concerning reports about what the injury is. So I don't know. I'm I, I'm keeping the same approach I had before, where he's out for the rest of the season until he's cleared, and I'm just gonna wait till he's cleared. So you know, with that in mind, with the mind that Harrod spending the night in the hospital with a rib injury. And we're down to Tommy DeVito or Matt Barkley or whoever we're gonna have. It there's a real chance we don't win a game for the rest of this season. I feel like that's what we're at at this point.
0: It's hard to see us winning any more games with the offense the way it's playing, anyway. But you put in Tommy DeVito or whoever else, it's just like where are the points? Even those 11 points per game, where are they coming from? Um, you know, it's uh, you're gonna rely more and more heavily on Saquon Barkley. And you're going to break them, you know, uh, like, it's just, you can see the writing on the wall here where this is going. Um, Like, that's another one. Like, I don't understand. Like, we're committed not to trade you. Like, why would you even say that? Why would you go out of your, like, like, even if you mean it, even if you think it, why would you publicly state that? You know, it's just, you really have, because now you can't trade them. Even if somebody calls you now and says, look, you're two and six, your team's falling apart. You are not a quarterback.
1: Here's our first for Saquon Barkley. What do you, well that's not you gonna happen him, yeah but, but then well what then the owner's <laughs> gonna be like no that's not the giant's way we told them we didn't we're not gonna trade them. it was they
0: they've they've really made some head-scratching public maneuvers let's put it yeah, that way they, yeah um they have. You, you, it, it's it's free to it's like as as, our, as one of my friends uh on twitter jay said like it's, it doesn't cost anything to shut the fuck up you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and to, to like to say nothing um it, it was really bizarre um But, you know, you're right. It's hard to see us winning another game. I'm sure they'll find a way to. I'm not saying they can't, but the defense is playing great. You never know. But, man, the offense is just dead. And it's just hard to see what will happen. So I really think they need to be dangling every one of the guys we talked about and see what happens. Like, I really believe they should be in that mood. And, people, you know, people are going to say, you can't tank. Well, what, What do you call what's happening now? You know, you're scoring 11 points a game. You're not trying to tank, but you're, you're not and, doing anything.
1: And it's getting worse. Like, yeah. I I know that, like, right now we're banking on the uncertainty of Andrew Thomas's hammy and the uncertainty of Daniel Jones' neck to save the season from being a total embarrassment. That's where we're at at this point.
0: We might as well talk about that for a second. Um, conflicting reports all weekend by Daniel Jones's neck. Um, sequence of events. Friday, Dable has his press conference and sounds less than certain that Jones is coming back. And when he's asked a follow-up question about, sounds like you're less certain about his timeline and his return, his response to that was, "Yep, that was his answer. <laughs> um, Brian Dable is a lot of, maybe a lot of things. He's not a liar. Um, he, he tells, he's very much a like an open book test, you know? Um, he shows you what he's feeling his reaction there told you that they were concerned at minimum about the prospects of him returning the very next day the spin cycle starts with a lot of the typical players in giants media i won't even name them but at this point everybody knows who they are but he'll be back in a week he'll be back in two weeks dallas this like las vegas they're eyeing las vegas don't like shh, don't tell anyone like las vegas and dallas yeah. and like we don't you heard it here first although you didn't really hear it like all these reports leaking and all this stuff and I'm thinking, Brian Dable. The other just yesterday is making it sound like we have no idea when he's coming back. Yet today, you have a report that he's ready to go in a week, but he hasn't been clear for contact.
1: Yeah, but he's every, gonna be ready in a week. Every report I'm hearing is like, it's like, oh yeah, Giants. You know, they they think it's gonna be soon, but so like they're thinking week nine or week ten. But then like it always seems when you read the articles, always kind of followed up. But they don't <laughs> really know for sure about. And he when. still hasn't
0: been clear for contact. Yeah. And then today we get a report, a national report from Tom telesaro which has the most detail I've seen about his injury. Um, basically, in summary, saying he had what sounds like a disc injury to the neck in 2021, and that he has another disc injury now. I don't know if it's true, but this is what, this, what's, what they're sort of saying in the report from sources they mentioned, not sources inside the organization, from sources. Um, and that he's not cleared for contact, that he had significant This is the the word for word, significant left-sided weakness as a result of the injury. And that while most of that weakness has resolved, has improved, it's not all gone yet. And he's not yet cleared for contact. So without getting into the the, the medical interpretation of that, let's just say it's bad. It implies a fairly significant injury to the neck, to the disc, or the spinal vertebrae. It suggests he has something called spinal stenosis. which is a fairly significant condition. And I don't know how you can look at that story that's coming out two days after Brian Dable sounded very aloof about his timeline and somewhat concerned about it and not come away with like the thought process. Like they really don't know if this kid is going to get cleared. They don't know what his status is at best. It's up in the air. It sure sounds like this may be one of those, like he's, he'll be back. He'll be back. He'll be back. Oh, wait a minute. Season's over. That's what it's feeling like
1: and it's like even if this gets delayed at all like it's not like first dallas if, let's say even tyrod if we have like three weeks without these guys i mean we have raiders next week that's like one of our most winnable games if we don't have those guys that's a loss jimmy garoppolo's back tomorrow night like they have garoppolo unless he gets hurt um cowboys is probably gonna be lost either way anyway. washington that's like uh, that's another game like we could win um patriots after that that's another game we could win like we have a outside of the cowboys we have a stretch of like some of our most winnable games and then packers and Saints after that if we you know if we have a quarterback but after that if we don't get our quarterback that even if they come back for the last three games of the season we have eagles rams eagles like
0: I mean, at best, you're looking at like right now. The most optimistic view is you're looking at like a four to five win season. Yeah, that's probably like that. Realistically, is looking at like the most optimistic view of things right now. Hard to imagine they squeeze out more than two to three wins at this point to the end of the season. And like you said, there's a there's a reasonable chance that they just run the table with losses at this point. Um, so it, it, it's tough, man. Um, the Giants are obviously nobody wanted this. Nobody wanted the season to fold to unfold this way. We all had high hopes that they were going to build something. Didn't work out Um, for a lot of reasons. Injury being a big part of it, but just didn't work out. That doesn't mean the season's lost. There are young players balling out in defense. They're young players on offense that look like they have a lot of potential. They need a chance to develop. But the team needs to actually prepare itself for the future. And what's in their best interest at this point is, in my opinion, just closing this out, trading some expiring vet deals, making some hard decisions, acquiring as many draft picks as they possibly can, positioning themselves well for a really strong draft class to rebuild, getting their own quarterback. Start there, keep building, and it may not be a very long process to get back to real competitive football, but I don't think they're going to get there on this path. Yeah,
1: and it can't be a long process, man. We're wasting the, the young prime years of some really good players on this roster and we need to get, we were competitive last year. We aren't this year. We got to get back to that. And I think getting a young quarterback in here that is handpicked by this team, that's going to come in with a rookie deal where you can just build around him. And I think the biggest thing people kind of ignore at this is it, it really sets a clear plan for the team. Once you have that rookie quarterback in there's so many ways you can go about it, but the plan is clear. You could, you know, you you you're rebuilding, but you know, you have that money you want to spend 30 million dollars on a wide receiver so you so your so your young quarterback has wide uh wide receiver, you can do that. Like there's there's not many wrong ways to try to build around a, a a young quarterback outside of not building around the young quarterback. Like it I just kind of sets, sets the it sets a table to kind of really start going.
0: <laughs> when Joe Shame decided to double down on this team last year, specifically Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, and build around them, um, I was not a proponent of it. Many of us were not. Um, and even those of us who were fine with it felt like it should have been more of a short term commitment, as short as possible, at least yeah. with the quarterback. Um, but the one thing everybody agreed on was he didn't handcuff himself for years. He yeah. gave out short term deals for the most part, even with the quarterback, he gave himself an out with most of these deals that if things didn't work out, he could recognize it and pivot and then rebuild. I'm sure he didn't expect it to happen within 10 weeks of football, but it has. Yeah. And the, he needs to pivot. He has two days left before the trade deadline. He needs to start pivoting fast. He needs to pivot very hard right now and turn this thing around in terms of his approach. If Joe Shane does not pivot, if he does not pivot, if he does not acquire draft capital, if he just lets the season die of vine with vets just playing out and then eventually going wherever, I will have concerns about his approach to this. You know, um, I already have reservations about some of his contract management, but I think pivoting to set us up for the future is the most important job he's facing right now, and he needs to be able to do that. You know, all the other stuff, all the other noise be damned. He needs to do that now.
1: I think one thing, and, you know, fuck the fans. I get like, Who cares? They don't, they don't owe us anything. But as a fan, I think it would go a long way to set a, send a message to us that if he moves on and makes a trade at this trade deadline, that he's taking this seriously. and <coughs> Just one move. Will send a clear message that he's taking this seriously and is, and is planning to fix this thing. But sitting on his hands sends that op- the opposite message.
0: I think a lot of people made the point like Giants are very afraid of sending the message to their fan base that they're tanking, you know, or that they've given up because they don't want to like drive them away from the ballpark from from the stadium. Nothing keeps fans from coming to your park like losing. You're losing and playing a bad brand of football. They're not coming anyway. Trust me. Nobody wants to show up and watch this crap. They don't want to watch their team lose. They don't want to see them not be able to score. They don't want to feel like they have to boo people because they're so offended by what they're watching. They don't. So you're already lo- losing those people. If you want to get them back, you'll give them something worth watching. And you're not going to, be able to do it this year. What you give them is hope that there'll be something better next year. And I think yep. you need to pivot. You'll You'll have the respect of those fans. You'll have their faith. Nobody's going to hold it against you to do that. But if you keep doubling down on this, you will lose the faith of those fans. So Joe Shane, it's on you.
1: And we've (coughs) talked about it. It's, you know, this this Daniel Jones contract isn't going to lose Joe Shane's job. It's only going to lose his job if he continues to double and triple down on this contract. He can get off of this contract and he can, it will be a stain on his resume, but he can... Move forward, and it, he can leave that in this pa- in the past.
0: But he'll be able to see on his resume. But Jalen, you know, um, Jalen Rager was a stain on Howie Rosen's resume. Carson you know? Wentz. Carson Wentz was a stain on his resume. But then he right. turned that into, you know, a- AJ Brown and and Jalen Hurts and a Super Bowl, yep. a Super Bowl appearance, um, and and he, and he pivoted right. And he kept he kept building through the draft and making shrewd moves. That is where you need to be. And by the way, the backbone of Howie Roseman's mystical power was accumulating draft assets. That's what he did. He acquired draft picks. He did what he could to acquire draft picks, and he he just hit home runs on all of them, really the way he managed them, whether it was trading them, manipulating them, who he drafted. But the point is, unless he accumulated those draft picks, he had nothing. He was going to be fired at some point, and he turned it around. That's how you turn it around. It, it turns around quickly. If you get those draft picks and you start hitting home runs with them, that's what Joe Shane's going to do.
1: hundred percent, man.
0: All right, man. Uh, you have anything else for this reaction pod?
1: Nope. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the defense. It, it sucked watching us lose like that, but ultimately we are probably not going to be winning a lot of games for the rest of the year. So I'm, probably not going to be too mad about losing that game when we're, when we're talking this offseason. So, you know, is what it is, I guess.
0: <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so that is our reaction pod for the week 10, uh, week, ten. week eight loss to the jets, 13, 10, fall two to two and six with our trade deadline approaching next week. The giants are in Las Vegas to play the Raiders for those who haven't seen it. It's a gorgeous stadium out there in Las Vegas. Um, so if you're out visiting, don't not go to the game just because you're upset at the Giants. It's a beautiful place to visit. Check it out. Enjoy yourselves. Uh, the trade deadline's on Tuesday. I'm sure we'll have more to talk about. For those who have not tuned in yet, Monty and I recorded our episode on um, on safeties a few days ago, and we're going to be doing cornerbacks later this week. And then pretty soon, with the next week, week and a half, we get into work on the big one, on quarterbacks. So tune in. Um, you can follow us. I'm Sal. At at Queens underscore Guy, you can find Monty at at Monte Cristo at M O N T E C R I five T O. That's on Twitter slash X, or you can find us at, at He's a Giant Pod. Monty, any closing thoughts?
1: No nope, man, go fucking let's get some trades done. Let's let's get, go go let, get
0: them, Joe Shane. Let's win some fucking trades. All right, yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. With that, we'll, we'll we'll say good night and we'll see you guys later this week. All right, see you
1: later this week.